0: This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. One day, one day we'll get that promo right. Welcome to the show. It's Fresh Thinking time. And uh, Thursday, it must be. It's got to be Thursday afternoon. Welcome aboard. We'll be together till 3 o'clock. And as always, you are welcome to join the conversation. I came across an article today that I'd like to share. Well, I'm not going to share the whole article with you. But it definitely makes for very interesting conversation. It's an article from The Atlantic and the headline says why online dating can feel like such an existential nightmare. It's an interesting article, quite a long article and what it raises for me is a whole bunch of questions because I do think if we're living in the modern age we need to confront things that belong to the modern age and ask questions about them and try and understand uh, what the Jewish take would be. So I'll just give you the Precy at the beginning of this article that will start our conversation. The Precy goes, matchmaking sites have officially surpassed friends and family in the world of dating. And he says, injecting modern romance with a dose of radical individualism. And maybe that's the problem. So that really got me thinking. And this is a conversation that's relevant to all of us. We know that relationships touch us deeply. The concept of relationships, finding a an appropriate partner, settling down, holding it all together for the long term. So I think it's interesting that outside of the Torah world, there is this conversation around online dating. And specifically about the fact that it's usurped. Friends and family in the process, and that's really what I want to talk about today, from a number of perspectives. Let's talk about this: how important are friends and family in the world of dating? Because he says maybe the pro- that's the problem. Maybe the problem is that matchmaking sites have surpassed friends and family. So I'd like to talk about that: how important are friends and family in the dating process? How important is the classical approach of the? Jewish dating process, something which may be nearing extinction, or at the very least is endangered. So that's what we're going to talk about today. As always, you can call in on 101 you can message us on Telegram on 0618951019, you can SMS 34519 or tweet at Chai FM and at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So it should get us thinking. I do believe that this is something relevant to all of our lives, to all of our families, to to people who are close to us. So online, anything, I suppose, has become the, the next big thing. Everything happens online. You shop online. You watch your favorite shows online. You get your news online. So is it that radical to suggest that you meet the person of your dreams online? And I think when the online dating process began X amount of years ago, not exactly a scholar of when it started, people probably thought, wow, this is phenomenal because we now are no longer bound by physical borders and there's the opportunity to connect and to meet People across the ocean or around the corner, especially now that we have location based dating apps. So you can literally find who is in your hood that's got something uh, that might be of interest to you. So I, I thought this was really interesting. And it's like I said, it's a long article, but the point that he makes is that Perhaps we've – maybe I'll even read some of the, some extracts from the article that perhaps what we've done is we've, uh, we've compromised on something of tremendous value, namely the inside of, uh, of family, and uh, we're losing out because of it. Just to give you the statistic, the statistic goes like this. In 2012, there had been a rise of – I think they said – here it is – from the 1990s to 2009, the amount of couples who had met online had increased by 20%. That was in 2009. Now, there's a new paper that is awaiting publication that shows that it's just on the up and up, meaning to say, according to data collected through 2017, the majority of couples now meet either online online. Or at bars. (laughs) So some things, I suppose, haven't changed. But this is the point that I think is interesting. He quotes the the, the fellow who put this, a fellow called Rosenfeld, uh, the American Sociological Review. So he says that Internet dating has displaced friends and family as key intermediaries. Which is really, really interesting because that that raises a whole bunch of questions. So I suppose this is an opportunity for you. You can share, and it's the wonderful thing about the anonymity of messaging. You can share just a personal experience. What kind of uh, dating experience did you have? Maybe it was uh, this year. Maybe it was 20 years, 40 years, 50 years ago. Just interesting because... We know that the concept of marriage is absolutely central to Judaism. And we know that the Torah speaks about famous people and how they went about meeting their significant other, starting from Adam and Eve. In fact, the story of couples is a story that accompanies no, not surprisingly, that accompanies the whole story of history. So we've got right from the beginning, Adam and Eve, with Hashem famously saying, "It is no good for man to be alone, and let me create for him a helpmate." So that gives us a perspective right there that the earliest story of humans is bound up with the story of humans needing to partner with each other. The 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 the, the, the importance of of marriage. And then you go through our great personalities. We're told, I mean, it's an interesting thing, but if you were writing a book of history that was going to contain those seminal moments that define the direction of the human nation, and if you had to talk about the great wars of history and the clashes and encounters between world leaders, the standing up for morality in the face of uh, slavery and in the face of despotic leaders, it's quite surprising how much airtime the Torah gives to the personal relationships of those people. So we're told. We're told about Abraham and Sarah. We're not necessarily told in great detail about how they met. So you're not going to glean a lot about the dating process. But you will from their son, Yitzchak, because the Torah gives us a fortune of information about how he landed up meeting his wife. And it was... Not online, because obviously that was not available at the time, but it was certainly very much through a Shadchan. Although there is some halachic debate about the exact status of Eliezer, servant of Abraham, who went finding this wife for Yitzchak, we won't get into that level of detail. But it's a third-party objective person who introduced the two of them. Then you compare that, of course, to the next the next story, which is how Yaakov met his wife Rachel, which was what would appear to be a chance encounter. He was on the run and he was looking to hook up with his mother's family because his older brother, well, his brother, older by a fraction of time, uh, wanted to kill him, and he lands up meeting Rochel at a well, which for many people resonates, because that's where many people meet their spouses, at the, the drinking hole. We're told how Moshe, the leader of the Jewish people, meets his wife. So it is definitely very much a part of Judaism, the story not just of how important marriage is, not only for practical, but also for spiritual reasons, but also how important the process of getting there is. And I think it's uh, interesting when you explore and you go back, I mean, even if you were a fan, let's say, of Fiddler on the Roof, and you remember the character Yentl, and, uh, or Yentl, what was her name? What was her name Yentl? She, I don't even remember now, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but I'm sure somebody will remember and, and will send it in. But her job was the, she was the shatran. She introduced and made recommendations and suggestions. And the suggestion came to the parents on behalf of their children long before the children met and so- Probably the children didn't even necessarily know that a prospect had been offered until such time as they met. And that still goes on today. There you are know, places in the world and, and communities in the in the Jewish world who still operate that way in the real shidduch system. So it's interesting. It's really interesting. How important, let's start with that. How important is it to engage and involve friends and family in the process of finding a a partner a marriage partner there are a few messages that have come through mostly on twitter so i'll share one or two of them with you somebody says uh many of the many of the from communities that would appear are already on dating sites so that i suppose that means like everything else it's impinged on or invaded or crept into, whichever particular term you want to use, into our society too. We can't believe that we live still in the shtetl and can't stick your head in the sand and pretend it hasn't affected us. It has and it will. And that, I suppose, raises another conversation in its own right. Should we be uh, supporting or should we be trying to block and shut it down in our communities. So there are various elements to this conversation. What do you think about the online dating concept? Do you think it's something that the Jewish world would be opposed to? Do you think that it's something that will or will not shift the way that from dating works what do you think about from dating what do you think about the necessity for family and friends to be part of that process because the alarm in this particular article and it's not a jewish person who wrote the article nor is it published in a jewish publication which i think gives it a certain objectivity the alarm is that we're cutting out family and friends from the process and that might not be a good thing i'd love to hear your thoughts as well like I say, you can always phone in on 0101403020. You can send a telegram message 0618951019, SMS 34519 or tweet at Chai FM, tweet me at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So here's somebody who says straight away, my question was, what do you think of this uh, this article and what do you think? Of the principle of online dating overtaking family and friends or surpassing family and friends, Martin says over here, it means more divorce. Sure, that's uh, I don't know if everybody would agree with that necessarily, but it's definitely an interesting point why why would you say is that you know you've got to be careful not to just blame the technology there might be underlying causes perhaps there are other things that have changed about society and about our values and about how things are disposable and perhaps that is a reason why there's an increase in divorce and not simply because we have technology I don't know would be interesting to hear what you think here's victoria on twitter who says no i would rather uh, not that alone. No, i don't. I just, I've got to work out the English over here. But basically the tweet says, I would go to a site for a date or marriage, but I prefer the responsibility to friends, relatives, etc., where common goals and checking out are easier. Once upon a time, if you look in the Talmud, it says... That if a person would get married and then turn around sometime into his wedding, into his married life and say, I never realized that this girl was X or Y, that she had this particular physical uh, deformity or whatever it is. We'd say to him, we don't buy that. You have family, you have friends, you would have done your research. In other words, it was very much part of, it was an expectation in the Jewish world that you would, Have people who know people find out about the person who you intend to marry. Of course, the dating system back when was totally different to what it is today. Although, again, in certain circles in the from world, the dating system remains different today to the dating system in many other elements of our society. But it is interesting Here's Victoria, who's uh, most uh, in, you know, certain about the fact that, no, 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 don't do away with the responsibility to friends and family. And I think that that's interesting too. It's not just a matter of having friends and family involved because they give us insight or they can do some kind of background research. But from a different perspective too, that you're answerable now to, to, to a group. There's a group of people who are aware that you're in the process and they know that you're seriously looking to settle down and they know that you've been with so-and-so for X amount of time. They can give you the classic Jewish "New, What's happening? Are you simply dragging your feet? Is there something that you need to discuss, a concern that you have and so on and so forth? I wonder how much... I mean, people do talk. They obviously do. We live in a society today where people speak, although people also share things perhaps inappropriately. I mean, you look online, particularly on social media, and very often people are sharing things about their relationship that really are not for the public. I mean, you consider that social media gives you an audience of an untold tens of thousands of people potentially should be careful about what you're saying and certainly to elicit insight or advice from some kind of anonymous audience even if some of them happen to be your friends not the healthiest thing in the world whereas friends and relatives might give you a better perspective on the other hand you might have relatives who are exceptionally biased and get in the way that's also a possibility so Nothing is black and white, I suppose. Here is Miriam on Twitter who says, I have a couple of religious friends and family members who met their bashert online and they have wonderful marriages. That's why you can never just blame the technology. You say, well, it's because there's tech around, that's why marriages fail. Or, in an environment where we shut off the tech, marriages will succeed. It's obviously not the only factor. Clearly, there are really serious factors that determine the longevity of a marriage. Most importantly, the fact that the couple is willing to invest time and effort in making it work. (laughs) So, that could be part of the problem, maybe, with the online dating intro to relationship, because it's a little too click-the-button easy, and real-life marriage isn't. Right. You can't just shut down the person's profile when they're getting on your nerves or swipe right because <laughs> you'd like to look elsewhere. But on the other hand, of course there are people who've met online and it's, and it's great. I don't think that was the question. I don't think that was the point of the article. And it's certainly not the point of this conversation to work out whether or not the online dating system could work. The question is this movement away from involving family and relatives, family and friends, and instead being in your personal little bubble, sitting in front of your screen or in front of your app, and based on that, making decisions around dating, maybe that's where the Achilles heel lies, where the, where the danger lies, where the potential of something going wrong lies, especially, remember, we're in a generation that knows different, the next generation might not know different, here is someone on Twitter, on Twitter, on Twitter, Evgenia, who says it is, it's not an easy or painless means to meet your shirt, especially if you're outside of a select few urban areas. So that's a strong argument for the online opportunity, because if you live in an environment where you can't easily meet people, well, here's a way to open it up. So how did we used to do it? Of course, when people lived in the shtetl, the offerings were quite limited. But how did we do it 20 years ago? How did we do it then? How do we still do it today in a lot of the from world? And maybe that's another question to ask. The Shidduch system, is it going to disappear with the advent of technologies? It's something that will fall away. Because basically what the Shidduch system does, it's not like people imagine where there's random strangers who... Uh, are You know, the parents get together and arrange to marry off their children, and you get what you're given. It's not exactly how it works. There's a person who does a lot of work researching, trying to find somebody who would be well-suited, and then based on their recommendation, that couple gets to meet. They are the people who make the final decision, yay or nay. Nobody's going to tell you to get married. In fact, halakhically you can't marry somebody against their will. So... It's just to like a vetting process or a, an opportunity to have that objective view of what you're getting yourself into before you land up sitting across the table or at the other edge of the bar counter and, and are overrun perhaps by emotions and all kinds of other subjective elements. So it's kind of this healthy pre-planning. Now, if a person did not live in a built up urban area, which I suppose is another way of saying where there's a strong Jewish community, the shidduch the system would still work for them because they'd have the opportunity using basic technology, the phone as again, many people do today. People don't realize how many international from matches are made without the use of online dating. Because there is this concept of people who look out for people. A sibling will suggest somebody for their friend. I, my sister has a friend, maybe she's good for you kind of thing. Or there'd be the professional chatren who makes it their business to spend time making themselves available to find out who you are, what it is that you're looking for, and then go literally looking around to see somebody that that seems to match that. And then their job is just simply to set it up. And by the time you get there, you know that there's a fairly good chance that this is worth pursuing. And it's not just some aimless attempt at because you saw somebody go over and ask them their number. So that would work for a person even if they were not living in a big Jewish community because they would have access to a Shadchan and say, listen, let me phone you up. This is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I care about. These are my ideals. This is the kind of person I would like to meet. Do you know anybody? And that that somebody might be in a completely different part of the world. And that could still work without necessarily needing to go online and without necessarily needing to live in a major Jewish metropolis but I do think that Evgenia makes a point if you do live away from the community might be a great asset to have access to online dating what do you think do you think that online dating is something that the Torah would approve of do you think that with the growth of technology and the different way that people interact the classical Shidduch system might collapse I'd be very interested to hear your views You can call in 0101-403020. You can use Telegram, which I think people are maybe a little bit nervous about still. Just remember, WhatsApp is no longer going to be available on this show from the end of the month. So if you want to communicate, it's got to be through Telegram. Download Telegram onto your phone. It's got a whole lot of things that um, maybe you're not used to. But it's different. It's like WhatsApp, just a little bit different. And you can telegram us on 0618951019. You pretty much got one week left to sort that out if you want to communicate on free texting to the show. Otherwise, you can always SMS 34519 and you can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet at Rabbi Shish. We're known as the people of the book. We are literary connoisseurs, consumers of words and prose, sharers of ideas. In short, we are readers. Chai fm is starting a book club. Would you like to be one of the CHI-FM book club readers? You'll receive a book every month to review on the radio for our listening community. It's social, it's fun, it's mentally enlightening. So we're looking for people with a wide range of reading topics and genres. Get in touch by emailing books at dot. <coughs> Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper have these pocket-saving sweet deals just for you. Pick and Pay Kosher Raisin Rib is one hundred and thirty-nine rand ninety-nine per kilo. Pick and Pay Kosher Barbecue Whole Chickens are a really low sixty-nine rand ninety-nine per kilo. Pick and Pay Kosher Oh Cry Vors is only. Okral Vors is just seventy nine rand ninety nine per kilo. And their kosher beef burgers are eighty nine rand a kilo. And kosher lamb riblets are 13999 per kilo. Catch these and many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper and only while stocks last. Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood is the best place to shop when you want a lot. I don't know if you've done this yet, but if you haven't, the Jewish Community Survey of South Africa closes today. This is your last chance to participate and have your say. So you go to www.jcssa2019.co.za to sign up. I've done it. It's uh, interesting. There are some very interesting questions. Today's your last chance to get involved. If you'd like further information, visit the website jcssa2019.coza or check out the Facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash jcssa2019. Well, to be perfectly honest, I think if they'd made an easier website, maybe they would have had a few more responses. But anyhow, I think that they definitely have had a response. And you can try it as well. If you have just joined in, this is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Shishler. We're together until 3 o'clock talking today about an article that I came across which suggests that online dating has marginalized family and friends when it comes to the dating process, which raised for me two questions. Number one, well, what does Judaism think about that from a Jewish point of view? How important is it to have friends and family in, involved in the dating process? And question two, the advent of technology. Do you think that the Shidduch system is still relevant? Or I suppose another way to say it, do you think it might just fade away? Share your views. Phone the studio on zero one zero one four zero three zero two zero, or send us a telegram message. Sounds like that's back in the nineteen hundreds. But 0618951019 or SMS three four five one nine or do what everybody else seems to be doing, which is to tweet at Chai FM or tweet me directly at Ravashish. Somebody posted something I don't want to read it on air because it's uh, it's really inappropriate. But they screenshotted a message that they got on one of these online location based dating sites. And like I say, I, I really don't want to share it on air, but the point is, the point is that it was basically just an online pickup. They, there was no interest in a long-term relationship. There was no interest in dating, and uh, they said they put it with a caption and say, "Yes, it is this bad," <laughs> saying in other words, that's how bad the online dating environment is. Quite an eye-opener for me, to be honest. I mean, this whole online dating thing started after I was happily married. And, you know, it's just a little bit foreign, which I suppose it would be to anybody who did not live or does not live through this particular period. But seeing something like that, it's like, wow, hang on a second. That really, really makes you think. Whereas, on the other hand, here is somebody who sends a message saying, online dating might be a good thing if, People are honest, and they take time to get to know each other. Well, honesty has to be one of the most important things when it comes to dating. In fact, as far as Judaism is concerned, honesty is one of the most important things, period. We always talk about the need for MS, for truth, and we talk about the problem with sheker with falsehood. So I suppose the problem over here, the challenge over here is, are you inclined to be honest in an online environment? And I think that that raises a really important question because we have a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, the Ethics of the Fathers, that speaks about the things on which the world is founded. And one of the things is MS, MS, truth, MS Mishpat Shalom, truth, justice, peace, are the things that the world is founded on. Now, settling down into a marriage is essentially creating your personal world. And it also needs to be founded on those three principles. One of the core principles being, of course, truth, integrity. Now, I know that there are people who will say, yes, but even in the context of a normal dating, face-to-face dating experience, a person may also be untruthful. And maybe they're really good at it and they're able to cover up and to propose that they're somebody who they're not. Definitely possible. It's equally possible that you'll have a person who is a shatran and doesn't tell you the full story about the person they want to introduce you to. We get that. That is possible. I guess the question really is, are we more inclined in the online space to be a little bit less than honest? I don't want to say dishonest because that's not necessarily fair. Okay, here's Kim saying something which I suppose would be, well, it is very disturbing. I know somebody who married a non-Jewish person who she met or he met on J-Date which is supposed to be a website to meet Jewish people. So there you go. That speaks directly, I suppose, to the question of honesty. Moshe on Twitter says, the shidduch system is absolutely critical. People in the workplace are amazed at its structure when I communicate with them how my wife and I met. I definitely feel that way too. I think there's an amazing ability, firstly, to be able to be objective in the early stages of seeking that relationship and also to have guidance, because naturally the Shidduch system comes with guidance, although immediately afterwards, there's a response also on Twitter um, from another Moshe, how funny is that, two Moshe's, and they're not the same person, says, the Shidduch system is incredible, discreet, and nurturing except when it's corrupted or ineffective. <laughs> tad of sarcasm there, I guess. But it's true. The ideal is that it should be discreet and nurturing. It's such a sensitive thing. You're dealing with something that will impact a person, for another person, two people, and the extended family. They will, please God, have children. And there are in-laws involved. And everybody's involved for the rest of their lives. So you should be nurturing. And you should be discreet because if things, I suppose, don't really work according to plan, there's got to be some kind of a nice exit strategy. I always find it interesting having this conversation with people. They always want to know, so how does this shidduch system work? Well, it's really different to online dating. That's for sure. (laughs) Although it has that initial anonymity. So there might be similarity on one level and then it's completely different on another. The first thing, and this is probably the most important thing, regardless of whether a person dates online or whether they date in person, the first thing is you need to know for real who you are. Unfortunately, a lot of the time we spend our young years trying to impress other people or being part of a peer group, we don't necessarily always have the encouragement or direction to look inward and discover who we are. Now, if you don't really have a healthy sense of who you are, How likely is it that you'll settle down with the right person for you? And that goes before any of this. Some guidance, some introspection, some opportunity to find yourself before you start looking for that self's partner. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So we're, I suppose, now talking about the Shidduch system because... This article in The Atlantic that speaks about how online dating has sidelined family and friends brings for me to mind how valuable, it's and it's wonderful when this happens, I think, when you've got something in the modern world that just endorses the way that we do things and have always done things. So it kind of endorses the shidduch system for me because that is a system that very much involves friends and family, not willy-nilly, it's not everybody's business, it's Those people who are interested, who are who care, who can give their suggestions, who can maybe help you find somebody. Uh, For a person who's really keen to settle down and get married, can be quite overwhelming, can be quite frustrating. Overwhelming, like, where am I supposed to find somebody? Or, there's nobody. That's what I often hear in Joburg. Jewish people saying, there's nobody to date in this place. And the irony is that knowing some of the people personally... They just simply don't know. The other people are saying there's nobody to date in this place. It can seem daunting. It can be overwhelming. It can be frustrating. And to have a team, like a support team, where you know that there are people looking out for your best interests and you know that there are people who are, Happy to make inquiries on your behalf or just test the waters before you invest yourself. We know that every single time a person engages in a relationship, there is the potential of being wounded. I mean, it doesn't work out after a period of time. You carry some hurt. That's the nature of people. That's the nature of relationships. So it's quite healthy and it's quite useful when you've got a team that can mitigate that vulnerability. So they'll do the homework. Nobody can, there's no algorithm that can tell you this person with that person will be a great shidduch. You can't, right? Can't do that. But what you can do is you can say this, just doing some objective homework over here. I I I just think this person is really not for you. You're barking up the wrong tree. And to have the value of that information before you've started to invest emotionally is quite useful. Once a person has begun to invest emotionally, well, then it's difficult to extricate yourself. Then it's difficult to walk away unscathed if it didn't really work out or it didn't meet your particular uh, expectations. So that's one of the beautiful things that we have in this particular system. Now, like any system, it could be abused. Like any system, a person could be Dishonest, we understand that. We're talking here in the most general terms, I suppose. And in the most general terms, to have that kind of a team, to have people, who, friends, relatives, or professionals whose job it is, who have experience, who understand the nuances and the nature of relationship, helping you is actually a great thing. It's a great thing. SMS over here says, if uh, this is from Denise, so the SMS says like this, my son didn't have much chance of meeting anyone, not a club or pub person, because he worked, or and he worked until 8.30 most evenings. He went online with specific quote-unquote requirements, had to be a believing Christian, be over 25, enjoy the outdoors, camping, etc. He met a delightful girl in her late 20s. We all met uh, Here's the key. We all met her. She came to lunch at family gatherings, and we all gave them our opinions. Now they have two children and are very happy. A good example of tech and family and friends giving support. That's that's great, actually. That's nice and balanced. You see, I'm always afraid that people throw things out wholesale. No way. This is no good. Tech, it's, it's no good. It has a place. has a place. But in the particular example that Denise gives where the family was very much involved, well, that's exactly what this article is not talking about. <laughs> in other words, I, in fact, I want to see if I can find that quote, because one of the things that he said in the, in the article was how, here it is, he says, radical individualism. That's what online dating has injected. Modern radical individualism. That's what he calls it. And basically what he means by that is, you're on your own journey. It's in the quiet of the screen and you and the person on the other side who proposes to be somebody, which you hope they really are. So it's that healthy to have the mix and to have people on your side and to have a team. So yes, absolutely. Good. So, uh, what else, what else would you say about this? Story, I I, I think it's something that really touches all of us and it's something we should talk about a lot. From a, like I say, from a Torah point of view, the steps towards a healthy relationship and a healthy marriage are first spend some time looking in the mirror. There's a whole collection of letters that somebody put together, three volumes of letters that the Lubavitcher Rebbe wrote to people around relationships and one of the things that emerges as a theme, a repeating theme throughout those letters, is you know that you are imperfect. You know that. You don't necessarily like to acknowledge it, and you don't necessarily broadcast it, but you know it. So how come it is then that you expect of the other person to be perfect? You're able to live with your imperfection, and effectively what what, what he's saying amongst other things. And it's quite a profound thought because unfortunately, thanks to uh, TV, I suppose, and movies, we've been convinced that there is some kind of perfect scenario and you ride off into the sunset and everybody's happily ever after, Prince Charming or whatever. So it's important for a person, you, you just have to have like a really healthy sense of yourself. And if you're the friend or the family who's in, helping this person down that path of finding somebody to settle down with, well, Then you also have the responsibility to help them know who they are. So if somebody comes to you with an absolute, and it's somebody you're close to, comes to you with an absolutely ill-placed, ridiculous kind of suggestion, says, I'm interested in that person because of an X and Y, you have a responsibility to tell them, listen here, I think you've got to think about this. Knowing who you are, not to shoot them down and not to blow them out of the water, but just say, hang on a second, knowing who you are, is this actually what you would want. Is this actually the best thing for you? Oh, incidentally, there's a big difference between what you want and what's the best thing for you. And that's one of the great challenges of settling down into this wonderful adventure called marriage is that a lot of the time, especially when people are young or especially when they've been influenced by the exciting uh, plastic version of life that is, broadcast in HDTV so they think about these crazy superlative realities of the person that they want to settle down with and it's important to have somebody who's a sounding board who's a little, more, a little bit more mature and a little bit more experienced they could say listen that's what you want but it's not necessarily what you need and sometimes unfortunately what happens in marriages is people get what they want and later on they realize that it's actually not what they needed so For us, the process of getting towards marriage is a spiritual process and it's a collaborative process. A person should not feel alone in the process. A person should not feel that they are the final say in the process. They should believe, and I think it's really important, that there's a value in consultation, that there's a value in having somebody who you respect as a guide, that there's a value in having the voice of people who you love and who love you and who care about you. But it's also a very spiritual process too. You've got to bring God into that picture because Ultimately, if you want him to bless your marriage, he's got to be on your side. Got to be, and, and it's a funny thing that people often don't realize. If you're dealing with something that has the potential to be the rest of your life, it's a special time to pray. It's a special time to do some extra mitzvahs, just to be sure you're in the correct space, that you're in a positive spiritual place where you're going to attract the right things toward you. And I'm not sure that sitting in front of a computer with a mouse is always conducive. I'm not saying it's never I'm not sure if it's always conducive to the most spiritual environment. What do you think? Share your views with us. 34519. You can SMS. Otherwise, send a telegram message 0618951019. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. A little earlier, Rabbi Josh Utah on Twitter said to me, that it depends what site you use. And he references an example of the site called Saw You at Sinai, which uses digital profiles, but the matches are actually dealt with by professional Shatchanim. That's a fascinating cause I, I didn't know that. I mean, to be, like I say, I don't really dabble much. I mean, I haven't got any experience in the online dating space. So I know the names J Day, Tso Yurt, Sinai maybe a couple of others, I think Yamsuf or something like that. Um, but that's an interesting hybrid because probably that's how things should work. You have the access to an online database but then you have the guidance and the the uh, moderation by somebody who knows what they're doing. That kind of makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. You go back, it's interesting that for example, the mitzvah that you're supposed to do every single day of wearing tefillin is a one-liner in the Torah. Okay, the one line is, is, is repeated. Okay, so it's four lines in the Torah. Okay. Shabbos, which is something that's a cornerstone of the whole Jewish experience to rest on the Shabbos, few lines in the Torah. But the story of how Isaac met his wife, Rebecca, takes up major paragraphs in the Torah. And we know that the Torah is a book that is very, very concise. Not a word is wasted. The fact that there's so much information about it, so much detail to that information that the whole story is repeated and then repeated again, just goes to show how important in Jewish Thinking And in Jewish ideology, marriage is. But not just marriage, because it's not the story only of a marriage. It's the story of how they got there. It's the story of how the Shadchan, in this case, the matchmaker, the servant of Abraham, how he went about identifying what he looked for. And it's a brilliant story, because if you think about it, and, and, and just in a nutshell, if you think about it, it's the story of a man who was tasked with the opportunity to find the woman who was going to perpetuate the Abrahamic dynasty, the fledgling Jewish people. It's quite a responsibility. And so he looks around and he says, find me a girl who is incredibly kind. That's what he was looking for. I mean, he dresses it up in a story. Find me a girl who will bring water for my camels and will offer me water and so on. But it's it's just so important because unfortunately in today's world, the things that people look for – are so superficial and so transient. So many of the things that attract people to each other in those early stages of relationship are not going to be around at a later stage. Yet, good character, that's, that's a constant. That's something, I mean, people do change. We know that. But if you look for good character, that's something worthwhile. That's something that tells you who the person is, not how they appear or what they happen to be doing at this particular point in time. And maybe, more importantly even than which particular methodology we use, I think it's that important to drive the message home that before you leap off into this world of seeking a partner, spend some time thinking about who you are and what your value set is and what your ideals will be and what you dream about, not in terms of money and fame but in terms of what kind of person do you want to be and what kind of family do you want to have and then go out and look for a person who has values and good character that align with those perspectives, bring into your world a team of people who care enough about you to help you where you can't be objective. and Then you probably stand a pretty good chance. For all those looking to find that significant other, may Hashem bless you that it's quick and good. Wishing you a great Shabbos until next week.